Well, if you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and open them, take them? If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can read on the screen behind me, of course. But you can also take one of these Bibles out of the pew and open up to page 743. Page 743, it should say Acts at the top of the page. And then you're going to look for a big number two. And then we're going to start reading right there. Right at that place. So I invite you to do that right now. If you don't have a Bible, we want you to know that Bible that's in the pew in front of you. We want you to have that. It's our gift to you. We want you to read that. We want, uh, we want you to experience all that God has for you. And we believe that the Spirit still uses the Scriptures to lead us deeper and deeper into life with Jesus. And so take that home with you. No one will try and stop you or think you're stealing. They'll be excited for you. Bring it back next Sunday and, and keep journeying with us. So hear the word of the Lord from Acts. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Uh, You could translate that. um, People from the other side of the tracks uneducated, um, you might, uh, some of you might say hicks, or I don't know, some of you might say Yankees, whatever. Uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit derogatory. Then, how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many people? How many people? Okay, good. I just want to make sure you're listening. Your sons and daughters will preach, will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will preach. They will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming 
of the great day of the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading and the teaching of his word. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but you poured out into our lives the Holy Spirit. This can be an awkward service because there have been so many strange things that happen actually in the text and in our lives and on TVs around religion. So we pray, God, help us to hear. Help the Spirit to cause us to listen deeply and intently. For we ask this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, this is the fifth of the major holidays or feasts of the Christian church. Now, you're probably saying, fifth? What do you mean, fifth? Well, let me go through them for you really quick. First one, you'll get, it's... Christmas, right? That one's pretty easy. We got that one. Christmas. We celebrate the incarnation. Uh, Christ putting God into, into flesh. Fully human, fully God. Amazing thing. Second one is Good Friday. We remember, we see the crucifixion of Jesus. What God is willing, what lengths God is willing to go to, to redeem us, to show His love. To take all of our sin, violence, into His body on the cross. And take it all without returning violence to us. Which redeems us, heals us, saves us. Shows us that there's another way. Then, we have Easter, of course. Easter. We celebrate what? The resurrection. That life has the final word. That God gets the final word. (laughs) Amen. That's a good, good thing that we celebrate. Then last Sunday we talked about another one, the, probably the most forgotten of all Christian holidays and feasts, and that is the Ascension. The day that we celebrate when Christ put flesh into God and filled all things with Himself, with sacrificial, self-giving, self-emptying love. And He is now, not in the future, He is now the Lord of all. And today... Final celebration, Pentecost, where God pours out His Spirit on all flesh. How much flesh? How many people? Oh, good. Good. Thank you, Mackenzie. I appreciate that emphatic all. That is right, and that includes you. And so today, like last week, I think we need to do just a little bit of teaching and then we'll talk about applying it. Okay, so let's do that. We have uh, Pentecost and uh, on Pentecost, it literally means 50th. That is what uh, what that word means. And uh, it comes to mean 50 days after Passover or Easter. Now, in Judaism, it's called the Feast of Weeks and the Hebrew word there is Shavuot. Uh, it just means Feast of Weeks. Um, this is a, a big celebration. So this means that uh, it is one of the pilgrim feasts. So that means if uh, if you are able, economically, physically, you are supposed to make your way 
to Jerusalem. Now we saw that in our passage, didn't we? We see that uh, there were people from all over the place that had made their way into Jerusalem. That's because this was a pilgrim feast. That means you are, if you're able to go, you have to go. That's, that's a part of what you should do. It's a part of the law. So you need to go into the temple and make your sacrifice. It is also a celebration of the wheat harvest. So that's coming in. It's the beginning of bringing first fruits, the first of your harvest you bring to the Lord for the poor, for the priests, for the pastors, those kinds of things. You begin to bring that in as a sacrifice saying thank you to God for the, the uh, harvest that is already beginning to show and, uh, and you're thankful for what is to come. It is a feast that is filled with symbolism. And so we really need to jump into this so that we can see what God is doing when we get to our Pentecost on this, in the middle of this celebration of Shavuot. All right? So we have this other thing that is going on. This is a celebration for Jewish folks of the giving of the Torah. That is the law of Moses. This is their uh, this is their celebration of that. And so um, they would do these these great things. They would do all night Torah readings. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, aside from Rachel and Tim and myself, how many of you would like to have all night Torah readings? Woo! <laughs> I think we'll do that next year. Okay, all right. <laughs> It'll be the three of us. <laughs> Uh, but they would do this. They would read these, uh, the, these Torah readings, and they would especially do readings in these areas. Now, one of the first things is that they would recite often, often, the Shema. Now, this is the prayer that goes like this. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad. It means, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul. It's beautiful. They would say this over and over and over again. Reminds them that they are called to be a listening people. We listen to this God who is one, who is ours. And that is the call for them as a nation. What are they to be? They are to be people that listen. Next, they would also hear... um, they would read a lot about the creation event in Genesis. Now, they were not sitting around having arguments about evolution or creationism, okay? So just let that go. They were listening to the story of a God who can create brand new things out of nothing. That's what you need to hear. That this God that you are listening to, O Israel, is a God who can create new things. Can get an amen? Our God creates new things. That's the beauty of all of this. And they are hearing this story retold and what goes on in this story over and over again for 50 days. They're also listening to the Exodus event. They are hearing this Exodus time. Now, Exodus, it's not, you know, they weren't watching uh, the Ten Commandments with Charleston Heston, Charlton Heston. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to watch it, it's a pretty good movie. It's long. But it's good. But what were they trying to listen to in this? Our God is not only a God who creates new things, but our God is a God who saves those who are in agony and creates a brand new nation out of those people. 
For, for Jewish folks, there, while Father Abraham is their father, it is on the other side of the Red Sea that they become a nation. This is a God who creates new things, saves people, and brings them together in a new nation. That's what you should take from that. Uh, they also, of course, here, here is the pillar of fire that leads them across and helps them and creates this new people. Uh, then we, they're also reading about the Sinai event. They were led after this in the desert to Mount Sinai. And God comes down again on the smoke and fire and gives to them the law on tablets. So our God is a God who creates new things, who, uh, who saves people and brings forth a new nation upon the earth. And then He is the God who teaches them how to live in relationship with God and with one another. He gives them, we call that a covenant. That they live together, God and people, and people of God and people of God. We, we do this together. This they would hear over and over again. Now, it's interesting. I just want to throw this in here because um, there was all that bit about languages in our chapter in Acts. It's interesting. I found this idea that, that in rabbinic tradition, those are the teachers of Judaism. They say that when God spoke the law to Moses, the voice spoke in 70 languages at once. This was thought to be all the known languages of the time. So in other words, not only is this a God who uh, creates new things and brings people forth, a new nation, and sets them free and gives them how to live together both with God and with them, but this is something that's going to be universal. This is something that's going to be for anyone. It's in all the languages. All the languages. God speaks because He wants this relationship to be large. That should give us a good hint. At where we're going. They would also hear about the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle was a place where when they were journeying together, God said, I need a place for, for us to meet between God and uh, Moses and the priests and those kinds of things. And we hear the story about how they built it. And then after it was built and dedicated and all those things, the, the fire and smoke that had led them as the presence of God descends into the tabernacle and becomes the presence of God in the midst. Are you catching some of the symbolism of where we're going here? This fire and this wind, this presence sweeps in and you begin to see the people see this visible presence. Now, later on, once they got into Jerusalem and been there for a while, Solomon built the temple. And uh, and same thing happened once the temple was built and dedicated and, and looked at and and everything was ready. The fire and the smoke descended once again. And we read this not too long ago where all of a sudden it was so the presence of God was so real and so uh, present that the priests couldn't even do their jobs. It was just so filled with the presence of God. It was like, we, we don't have to stand in between people and God. God is here amongst His people. It's a beautiful passage, beautiful thing. They would, have, they would have heard this again and again and again in these 50 days. The problem is, is when they went outside their house, they would see not Solomon's temple, but they would see Herod's temple. And there was an interesting thing about Herod's temple. After it was built, there is nowhere recorded... That the fire and the smoke and the presence of God ever descended into the temple of Herod. 
You know, many scholars will say that was really what promoted the rise of Pharisaism. That the Pharisees came along not too long after that because they began to say, what's wrong? What's going on here? That the presence of God is not in the temple anymore. What's happened? We've built it. We've, we've done all the things that... He said, well, there must be something wrong. It must be sin in your heart. So if you'll just follow all these rules... And if you, the whole nation, will begin to just obey all the time and do what is right all the time, then the presence of God will come. This is a tendency in, in, in most organizations <laughs> and in churches. When we don't have the presence, we settle for rules. And so there's something in this longing that's going on that people would have had this. They would have had this all during Shavuot, all during the Feast of Weeks, all getting ready for the great celebration of Pentecost. So, what is Pentecost then showing to you and me? Are you ready to enter into the symbolism? This is yes, this is no. Are you ready? Because there is, there is something amazing here that we are, we are entering into and that we get to be a part of today. So, first of all, for Pentecost, for Christians, there is the Shema. Now, no longer is it just one nation that is called to listen to God. But it has been poured out on all people. And now you and I are not just called to listen, but we are assured that we can actually hear what God wants to do in your life and collectively together. It's so deep, it's not even an audio thing. It's like a heart resonating out type of presence that comes into the life of a believer who yields their spirit to the Holy Spirit. It fills We are now the people who are called to hear at that deep, deep level. Uh, In creation, we celebrate that now God has created something new, brand new. God is doing something incredible in the midst of this. One of the most crazy things I think that I ever hear come out of the lips of Christians is this phrase. Are you ready? I promise it's not a swear word. It's this phrase. We've never done it that way before. Are you kidding me? Well, evidently you've never encountered the God of the Bible who creates brand new universes out of nothing. This is the God we serve. And this is the God that in Pentecost now begins to create something brand new. I mean, you can just see that the Spirit is poured out and we are told that they are gathered, not just the ones who are going to be apostles, not just the disciples, but the women and others who are there who are unnamed. God isn't concerned about the title or the name or those. He is pouring His Spirit out on how many people? All people. And so you can get in on this brand new creation that God is doing. We are also here Exodus from a different standard because now this God who creates new things is the one who can rescue all people and save them and bring into being a new thing that's not just a nation, but it is a church of those who are called out from every nation. That should be good news. This is why we do something like Faith Promise Weekend. 
Because we believe that God's word is not just for Americans. It is for all people. Look around. Do we have all nations here? No. Then there's more that God wants to do here. Are we ready for that? Because the God we serve says the exodus is now something that saves and calls all nations to one purpose and love and unity. We also begin to see in Pentecost, uh, we also see in Sinai, God does something, we, we interpret this just a little bit differently. Not only does God give His relationship on tablets of stone, but no, now God gives His covenant relationship. How we live in relationship with God and with one another, He writes it on our hearts. It's in us. The Spirit is in in us. Paul will write later, enabling us and helping us to will and to do God's good work. That's good news. That is good news. We also see that now, and here's, here's probably one of the most radical things of the whole thing. When we see the mighty rushing wind, the ruach, the breath of God, the pneuma of the Holy Spirit blow into the room, the fire now no longer descends. The presence of God no longer descends into a building. It descends onto men and women. You are now the temple of God. You, my friend, my brother, my sister, you are called to be the embodiment of God in the world. The presence of God. So many people think that Paul's whole hang-up was on justification by faith. I'm here to tell you that I believe that Peter and Paul and those guys, they were really wrestling with the fact that now everything is different because you are the temple of God. Paul would even be more radical and he would say what? You are now the body of Christ. Do you hear the radicalness of that? Do you hear the call of that? Do you know that that Spirit has been poured out on how many people? All people. Now, we believe this as good Wesleyans. It's not like you're just sitting around... A no good piece of garbage until somehow you say something like, Holy Spirit come in and now all of a sudden I'm brand new. Now I'm worth something. No, see, we believe that the Holy Spirit was poured out on how much? All. And that's how we see people who we know have no faith, they still end up doing some good things. That is the Holy Spirit, we believe, we call this prevenient grace. It goes before, it calls us, it's helping us, it's, it's, it's wooing us, it's enticing us to come and say yes to the God who creates new things, who invites all nations, who pours out His Spirit on all flesh, who it writes His law on their hearts. And who puts His Spirit inside of you so that you are now the temple of God. You are the body of Christ. You are the hands and feet of the One who was pierced on our behalf and gave everything that you might have life. That's Pentecost, my friends. This is what radically happened on that day when they were in the upper room. And when this began to happen, things began to change. We would see at the end of this passage, after Peter gets done preaching, 3,000 people come to understand the good news. 
We begin to see, like Sinai, that instead of God speaking in all the languages that were known, the people are speaking in all the languages that are ever known. And that was so that they could begin proclaiming the good news to all the people that God was gathering. This is our celebration. Now I want to apply this for you and I. Because there's a couple of readings that I want you to hear. This is from my teacher, uh, Richard Rohr. He says, then what are we to do if this is the case? He says, it all comes down to this. Do you allow the free flow of this Holy Spirit? Or do you stop it? It's interesting what he says stops or blocks this from happening in our life. Endless, do you stop it by endless forms of resistance Judgment, negativity, and fear. I will say with all the love I can muster, my brothers and sisters, that the church in America is so afraid. I'm afraid that's why we don't see the Holy Spirit fall. We're afraid of what would happen if it was actually true. We're afraid of other nations. We're afraid because we see on the news every day of our, that there's something happening from some other nation in Syria or in London or in Manchester or something along those lines, and we become afraid. Now, for some of us, it's not just fear. Some of us, there's also just this bitterness that kind of goes along with it. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and say, I want to yield that to you. If you're wondering, is that me? Here's another reading from Richard. He says, when God the Holy Spirit is missing, there's no inner momentum. There's no inner corrective. There's no inner aliveness that keeps people from dying of their own wounds. Does that, is that you today? Is that where you are? Do you, do you sense that there just seems to be something off and I can't seem to, to, to push through and, and hear at that level that you're talking about, Pastor Jeff? To feel connected and a part of what God is doing. And I want to say to you this morning, the very good news is that it is as simple as saying, Holy Spirit, I yield to what you are trying to do in my life. Do you hear how I said that? Because the Holy Spirit is trying. It is there. It has been poured out on all flesh, not just the worthy ones. But we have to yield and allow what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit in my life to take full effect. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are? I'm going to ask Lori to come and to play something. Because folks, today is the day to apply what we have learned. I didn't go through all that symbolism just so you could have some trivial knowledge for tomorrow. I preached all of this so that you would realize how loving God is. So that you can have an experience. Knowledge will not save you. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So today, if you would say, Pastor, I, I am one of those. Something in what you read is just saying to me, I 
that, that's me. I don't feel like God has done anything new. And I, I, I don't feel connected. I, I don't feel... I don't feel like that's been written on my heart. I don't have this sense that I am, I am the tabernacle of God, the body of Christ. So today, if that's you, I want to invite you to come wherever you are in this place today. I want to invite you to kneel and to pray. I know it's Family Sunday. There may be kids here that the Holy Spirit is talking to right now and they want to come. If that's you, kids, you just take your mom or your dad's hand and say, I want to go pray. Mom and dad, come with them. It's important. Parents, maybe it's you and you're worried, what will my kids think? I'll tell you what your kids will think. Your kids will think that God is doing something in the heart of mom and dad. And there will be something that is so attractive to them about that. So you come. We're not going to sing. Nothing like that. I'm just inviting you to come right now to get up from wherever you are. And if you are, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, I want to yield to what the Holy Spirit is doing, wants to do in my life, I'm going to yield. If that's you, you come. Don't let another Pentecost go by without yielding to the Spirit without yielding to what God, a good thing that God wants to do in your life. Brothers and sisters, this is good. For a moment of, oh my goodness, people will be looking at me. People will see me. For that moment, will you trade just that little bit of fear for a lifetime of God's leading to life that is full and free? Would you come right now? Don't wait. Come now. Please come. Please come. I invite you to something that is so good. I invite you to something that is life-sustaining. I invite you to something that will last all your life and into eternity beyond. Don't leave this place without yielding to what the Holy Spirit can do in a human being. Don't leave without knowing that you are the body of Christ. You are the place where God has come to dwell. You are the hands, the feet, the body that will show forth His transforming, self-giving, sacrificial love out into the world. Some have come. Will you join them? I'm going to ask one last time. If you want to come, you come. Kids, adults, if you want to come, you come. You come right now. This is it. After this, we're going to pray. We're going to have an offering and go home. If there are some of you who know someone up here who is praying and you want to pray with them and just be in support, you can come. I ask you just to lay a hand on a shoulder or on their back. And you just pray for them not, and pray with them. But let them pray. This is a really simple prayer. Holy Spirit, I yield my life to you. In Jesus' name. Really simple. This isn't a complex thing. So if you want to come and pray with someone, please do as I pray. Lord Jesus, we come today 
And we pray that as you, with your disciples, poured out your spirit, I pray for those who have come, that they would sense your spirit entering their life, that they would yield and know that what you have called them to is good. And that for the rest of their lives, they can be on a journey to know that they are the temple. They are the place where your spirit rests. And we pray that for families, for adults, for kids, that they would know and experience the radical love that you have for them. As they yield their life to you, we pray that you would enter. Well, maybe today it's not a mighty rushing wind but it is just a warmth of the heart that lets them know the presence of God is available for their life. And we pray, O God, that You would lead them and guide them, that You would transform this church, that You would do a brand new thing here through these people as we continue to yield our lives to Your transforming work. Lord, You are good. And we thank You for Your call. Help us to be the people of Pentecost, the body of Christ, the temple of our Lord, and through your love in us, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. For it is in his name that we ask all of these things. And everyone said, Amen. If somebody came to the altar... You ought, to, you ought to clap. You ought to hug them. You ought to do something like that. That's good. And I pray that God will just continue, continue to work in your life. Hey, we've got teens that are going to go out and serve in missions in, uh, in just a, in a week, is it? Next, next week, they're going up. They're going to serve at one of the churches. And uh, actually, it's one of, the pastor there used to be here, or used to be one of our associates, uh, Jim York. And so uh, they're going to go up and show the love of Christ through building. Uh, so if you're going on that, teens, would you stand? Would you come down here? And uh, we want to we do a really quick prayer before offering. And, so, and then during the offering, if you would like to give to help assist one of our teenagers. So who all, anybody else going? Teens, come on down. If you're going, if you're an adult that's chaperoning, if you are a teen that's coming and going to help with this, would you come? All right. And Ian's going, but he's not here. He's coming back from California and then going. So they're not here today. Okay. All right. We want to pray for them. Would you just um, kind of extend a hand towards these who are here? And I'm going to pray for them. And then we're going to give in our offering, if you want to give towards them, We want to encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for these our teens and these wonderful, willing adults. We pray that they would go as we have proclaimed today as your body to help at the church where Jim is pastor. Pray that it would be encouragement to that congregation and to that community. We pray that you give them safe travels and strengthen them. We pray that as we give right now, we would enable them to do what you have called them to do. I pray that you would transform the lives of these students. As they go and serve in your name, would they come back different kids, yielded and surrendered to you, 
For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.